sharing our faith and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ with others is a desire of Zion Christian Fellowship. Our prayer is that this message will have a lasting impact on your life and draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is not copyrighted. You are free to make copies for friends and neighbors. We only ask that you copy it in its entirety without alterations or changes. Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Greetings in Jesus' name to everyone this morning. It is a joy to be back again after being absent for two, two Sundays. And we did have a b- very blessed visit um, to Jerusalem where Tyler and Lisa live. So last Sunday, our church service was outdoors on the east uh, slope of the Mount of Olives. And it did seem a bit uh, different to be there. I think I sent a photo of the spot from where we, the view we had. And on that note, I might apologize if there was any disruption here. It was evening when I sent it. And it didn't occur to me until later that it would have been right during the service here. My apologies if that created any uh, disturbance. I would have waited had I thought it through. There's a verse I'd like to just refer to in John chapter 1 verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the, this truth is something we've known ever since we first believed, and probably even before it was taught to us. But being over there in, in Israel and just pondering that, that reality, that the God who made the world, the creator of the earth, as we heard this morning in the opening, by him were all things made. And at one point in history, in the fullness of time, it tells us that Christ came in the flesh. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And as we went from place to place, that kept coming back to mind, is that the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us, here is where it happened. Now, we're half a world removed from that, and yet we know by faith that we are accepted. We have been received as his own. To those that believe on his name, we have been adopted into the family. We don't have to travel there to make a connection with God or to be redeemed. We don't have to go up year by year to Jerusalem. We can worship God in spirit and in truth here 
and any other place in the earth where men choose to believe on him and gather in his name. But it was special to see some of those places and to consider that this was where it happened, that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Well, let's uh, turn to the book of Daniel. for our study this morning. And for the sake of you visitors, I am uh, teaching through the book of Daniel. And this will actually be our last uh, last message in this series in which I will attempt to cover chapters 11 and 12, the last two chapters. The previous message was on chapter 10, which gives the opening of this vision, the revelation. It describes what Daniel saw. It seems that he had a vision of Christ, before his incarnation. And then an angel came and spoke with him, and the angel said in verse 14 of chapter 10, he said, Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. So what follows there? He he continues there in chapter 10 to give some of the details about the vision. And then in chapters 11 and 12, he gives the content of that vision. And that's what we'll cover today. But I just wanted to note that the purpose for what was being revealed to Daniel was to show to him what would befall his people in the latter times. And I believe that latter times is referring to the end of time, which is yet future for us. The vision here and the details thereof, I believe, speak primarily to Daniel's people, uh, which was the Jews. There are... Uh, parts of it that would extend to other people as well, to all the believers. I think there's some inclusion there for all believers uh, because we also have been adopted into the family of God. But there are certain parts of it that apply more particularly at the end of time to the Jews and to Jerusalem and its surrounding areas. So I would like to begin reading in chapter 11. We will not be reading the first, uh, about half of the first of chapter 11, just for the sake of time. But I'd like to begin in verse 31. We are, oh, perhaps let's go up to verse 29. 
beginning in verse 29, and we're, we're breaking into uh, partway through his description, which I will try to explain a bit later. But in verse 29 of chapter 11, It says, At the time appointed he shall return and come toward the south, but it shall not be as the former or as the latter. For the ships of Chittim shall come against him, therefore he shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the holy covenant. So shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the holy covenant. And arms shall stand on his part, And they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength and shall take away the daily sacrifice and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. Yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame by captivity and by spoil many days. Now when they shall fall, they shall be holpen with a little help, but many shall cleave to them with flatteries. And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them and to purge and to make them white, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. And the king shall do according to his will, And he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished, for that that is determined shall be done. Neither shall he regard the god of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any god, for he shall magnify himself above all. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces. And a God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds with a strange God whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory. And he shall cause them to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain. And at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind, with chariots and with horsemen, and with many ships, and he shall enter into the countries, and shall overflow and pass over. He shall enter also into the glorious land, and and many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom, and Moab, and the chief of the children of Ammon. He shall stretch forth his hand also upon the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. But he shall have power over the treasures of gold and of silver, and over all the precious things of Egypt, and the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps. But tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him, Therefore he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and utterly to make away many. And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end and none shall help him. And at that time shall Michael stand up, 
the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, the one on this side of the bank of the river, and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and an half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, There shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. But go thou thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. I would like to point out some overview and principles that we can draw out of this passage. <clears throat> Note that in the previous chapter, chapter 11, verse 32, the last half of the verse, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And that's been our key verse in this whole book of Daniel is that There is a promise that those who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And I believe that promise is for us. When we think about the the end times and the difficulties that were prophesied, Jesus made it clear that there would be wars and rumors of wars, but the end is not yet. And... We have recently been reminded very strongly of that with the war in Ukraine, that there are continuing wars 
and rumors of wars and fearful things. And yet, in the midst of all of that, God's people who know God shall be strong. The other parallel with that is that God has all things in his control. He knows the times and the seasons. He has it planned how it shall be. And as he says there in chapter 12, verse 3, They that be wise, this is referring to those who have been resurrected, as it says in verse 2, They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And Jesus, when speaking to his disciples in regard to the end times, he talked about the angels going out and gathering together his elect from the four winds of heaven. And then he says that the righteous shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. So that seems to parallel what Daniel is saying here. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And throughout the scriptures, there is abundant promise for those who believe in the Lord Jesus. Those who believe in God shall, at the end, have everlasting life. And this is making some reference to that glorious future where we shall receive our inheritance and the promise that has been given. Another thing I would note in chapter 12, in verse 4, it says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. And then again, in verse 9, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Now, what I understand that to mean is that there are many things in the book of Daniel that, or in general, the book of Daniel has been closed up and sealed. And I believe it's the only portion of Scripture that it says specifically has been closed up or sealed until the time of the end. And I know that point has been a difficult one for many scholars to really explain how that is. Uh, is it possible for us to understand what's in the book of Daniel since the book is sealed? What about the saints of ages past? Were they able to understand well, I believe there are many things in the book of Daniel that have been hidden or been difficult to understand. It's very clear that Daniel himself did not understand since almost all of this that was given to him was yet future in his day. But I believe that there are aspects of Daniel that have been unsealed and whether there comes a specific point in time where we can say with clarity that yes, all that's in Daniel is unsealed, I'm not sure. There are certainly things that I don't understand very well. And I would believe there are parts of it that 
will not yet be very well understood, at least until some point in the future. We may kind of refer to that as we go along here. But just uh, understand that there are parts of it that are difficult to understand, even today. And I believe one of the reasons is that it's sealed until the time of the end. Now, I would personally be persuaded that we are living in the end of time. And that some of these things that are spoken of in the end time are, are coming to pass in our day. And we will probably see much more of that as the Lord gives us life. Now going back to the beginning of chapter 11... In verse 2 it says, And now will I show thee the truth. Behold, there shall stand up yet three kings in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than they all. And by his strength through his riches he shall stir up all against the realm of Grecia. And then he continues giving some outline of what was to come. And he makes reference to the king of the south and to the king of the north. Now I believe that a good bit of this first part of chapter 11 is a bit of a repeat of what was revealed in chapters 7 and 8, the vision that Daniel had of those empires. And if you study it carefully, which is way beyond our scope here today, but it gives a more detailed picture of some of those historical things that have already taken place. They were yet future in Daniel's day. But here he mentions the kings of Persia. There was three kings to come and, and some more following that. And we find that as was given in the, in the beast revelation there to Daniel, the various beasts, one of them was like a leopard that had four heads. That seemed to picture the Greek empire that divided into four parts. Well, those parts continued for some years with subsequent kings. And there was... Eventually, it became a fairly divided empire between two. The Seleucid Empire of the North is referred to here as the King of the North. And then there was the Ptolemaic Empire of the South, which was called the King of the South. And there was conflict between the two. Out of that northern kingdom... Eventually in time, I believe about the eighth ruler of that Seleucid Empire was Antiochus Epiphanes. And as we mentioned earlier, Antiochus was a forerunner or a type of the end-time Antichrist. So the first part of the chapter would refer to some of that conflict between those empires which is now historical, and we can look back and actually see the fulfillment of these various details. 
It is thought that from verse 21 onward to verse 35 would be referring primarily to the reign of Antiochus Epiphanes. And so there are certain parallels in this portion that relate to the end time Antichrist because they are uh, there is uh, a type there in Antiochus. We won't look at all the details there. I would just note toward the end there in verse 31. It says, And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. Now that particular phrase, abomination that maketh desolate, is found several times in the book of Daniel. And Jesus in his teaching made specific reference to that. And he told his disciples, when ye see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Then there's the little parentheses, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then, he says, let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains. Now, in reading that in the New Testament, there is a bit of a sense probably among believers that, well, when things get really bad in the end times, then we should all flee to the mountains. Well, there is a little problem with that in that There are believers scattered throughout all the earth and it doesn't seem logical or reasonable that all should flee to the mountains. We're a long ways from any mountains uh, here in the Midwest. And I believe that was specifically referring to the regions about Jerusalem. He says, let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains. So, I don't believe that verse or that thought was intended to convey to the believers that in the time of the end when things get bad, then everyone should flee to some mountain bunker where they have prepared for a time of affliction. There are many of the, in the world who do that. But for believers, we can trust that God will keep us and preserve us I do believe it specifically applies to believers at that location and at that time, but not so directly to believers elsewhere in the world. Yes, Jesus did say, when they persecute you in this city, flee to the next. I think that could apply at any time and any place. There are, there's some reality to that. Uh, but I don't think we should fix in our mind that All believers everywhere will have to flee to some remote location. Then further, after this, he says there, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. Yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity and by spoil, many days. 
Now again, we may not know exactly the fulfillment here, but the general understanding of this should be plain. And that is, that if we understand what is to come in the end time, and the necessity for all to prepare for the world to come, then we should be ministers of truth and righteousness. We should be preaching the gospel of salvation. We should warn people to flee from the wrath to come and to prepare for eternal life. That would be a general understanding of this. It says that Yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity and by spoil many days. Now if we turn to the New Testament, Jesus made it plain that if they persecuted him, they're going to persecute his followers and his disciples. Peter in his epistle taught many things concerning what we should look at when we are persecuted. How we should endure persecution. And so it is a common theme in the New Testament that God's people will be persecuted. So again, the general uh, principle we can draw from this is that even though, perhaps in a greater extent at the very end of time, there will be those killed by the sword, flame, captivity, and by spoil, and so on, it has been true of God's people throughout time in various places. There has been persecution, even unto death. And if that should come our way, we need to take seriously all of these scriptures and just cling to this promise that though we go through the fire, through sword, whatever it is, God has promised an eternal rest for those who are his people. And again, we need not be fearful of the end times.